Australians are fighting back against their country's draconian stay-at-home lockdown policies, so the Australian government is fighting back against them, firing rubber bullets into crowds, chasing them back into their homes, and forcing them to obey the public health police. The scenes are startling. If we saw these images in some far-flung third-world country, Afghanistan or Venezuela, the liberal establishment would be calling for regime change. But when it comes to Australia, our regime is on the same side as the public health enforcers. Maybe it's time for some regime change at home. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Gregory Williams, who says 52% of Americans are uh, not of the opinion that Joe Biden is is not sound enough to be president uh, because they know that Kamala is less competent. That is a very good answer. I asked, I said, how is it that only 48% of Americans think Biden is not fit to be president? Well, because the other 52% are looking at Kamala Harris. You make a very good point. You know, this is the sort of time where we need to protect our way of life. We've got to protect our liberties. We've got to protect the first right of ours, which is the right to life, which is why I'd recommend you check out 40 Days for Life. Abortion is coming up a lot these days. It's in all the newspapers. It's about to be a much bigger topic when the Supreme Court rules on the most important pro-life case since Roe versus Wade, or at least since Planned Parenthood v. Casey. You're going to want the best arguments. You're going to want all the facts. 40 Days for Life has the perfect book for you if you are looking to arm yourself against a broad range of pro-abortion talking points. The book is called What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. This book is an easy read for individuals looking to defend life and convert hearts. A lot has changed since abortion was legalized in 1973. What to Say When equips readers with proven approaches to dismantling the pro-abortion agenda. These methods have already enabled 40 Days for Life to convert the hearts of 221 abortion workers. It's pretty amazing. Check it out right now. What to Say When, the complete new guide to discussing abortion, how to change minds and convert hearts in a brave new world. Get free shipping and 21% off a signed hardback at 40daysforlife.com slash what to say when. What's going on in Australia right now is absolutely insane. If you have seen the scenes, I mean, you know, we just play that very tiny little bit of the, of the cops rushing in, shooting rubber bullets into the crowd, chasing everyone away. They, they now have a stay-at-home policy. They're trying to get to, to COVID zero, which is not possible. COVID zero, meaning not a single person even has coronavirus. That's not going to happen, which means that the public health dictatorship is going to continue on ad infinitum. Why is this happening? Some people are saying, well, we're misinterpreting the science. Or some people are saying, well, it's because the, uh, the unvaccinated are not cooperating. They're, we could all have our freedoms if we just gave up some of our freedoms. The, the real reason that this is going on right now is very simple. It has to do with religion. All regimes have something to do with religion. Okay, They have some religious foundation. You look at a place like Afghanistan, the religious foundation is Islam. Okay, no, no matter what exact government comes and goes, Islam is going to be the basis of it. In the West and in America in particular, that grounding originally was Christianity, right? Now, over time in America, the religion became the civic religion of, say, the founding fathers or of Abraham Lincoln. This is why on our national mall, we have a Greco-Roman temple with a giant statue of Abraham Lincoln as if he were Zeus. Okay, this is why we have weird obelisks 
to the deities of our founding fathers like, like George Washington, because it is a civic religion. And we, at least until very recently, worshipped the values that they stood for and worshipped these men as sort of demigods. Now, now we're tearing down their statues and replacing it with a new religion. Now the new religion is even more secularized than the one that we've been laboring under for a long time. It is the cult of science. There is a band that I had never heard of called the Kaiser Chiefs. This is an English indie rock band. The lead singer is Ricky Wilson. He was just at a concert full of all sorts of people. They've got their hands in the air. And he says, that's right, put your hands in the air. Not hands in the air to feel the music, not hands in the air to feel the spirit. Hands in the air to show me how clean you are because you've gotten your vaccine. That's for they're now calling him not the Kaiser Chiefs, but the Pfizer Chiefs. This is really creepy stuff, and it doesn't make any sense unless you are familiar with religious ritual. It's a sort of religious ritual, right? With with a great many religious rituals, you you undertake a ritual purification. So you know that you're broken, you know that you're fallen, you know that you're impure, but then you go through this ritual purification and then you are pure again, right? And then you go, go out into the world. And so this has become a, a literal uh, ritual. A, a, you know, it's not just that you're cleansing your soul, though that's part of it with this, but you're, you're cleansing your body because we live in this very secular age. And by cleansing your body, you cleanse your soul. This is why the anti-vaxxers are being booed. This is why they're being jeered. This is why they're called deplorable and awful and murderers, right? That they're guilty of some sort of sin, some metaphysical crime if they do not take the Fauci ouchie and then they're not clean. Really creepy stuff, but this sort of thing is going to be inevitable. Your, your society is going to have some religion or another. And if you don't have true, good, normal religion, then you're going to have creepy, weird, modern science religion. But you're going to have some religion. And it's not very scientific in the sense that many of these supposedly scientific health measures we're undertaking are actually killing a lot of people. There's a study out of the UK right now, which is that uh, it's showing that uh, 10,000 unnecessary deaths just from cancer will result from the lockdown. This is because a lack of door-to-door visits, you know, a lack of actual in-person visits, a lot of treatment for, you know, perfectly treatable illnesses is going to result from people locking down everything, saying stay at home. The only issue is this Wu flu. all, All that matters is the Chinese cough. And if you've got cancer, if you've got other procedures that you've got to undertake, forget about it. It doesn't matter. According to this University College London survey, and study an estimated 40,000 people since last March of uh, since March of last year were referred to emergency care for cancer late which conservatively means 10,000 Britons will die significantly earlier than under normal circumstances and the, the possibility of excess deaths could be several times higher in the worst case 
scenario. But if, if, if we save just one life, it will have been worth it. If we save just one life of one person who didn't catch any germs, that will have been worth the 10 to 40,000 excess deaths of people from cancer in Great Britain, right? doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you, when you think of the world in this very utilitarian kind of way, you end up making these ghastly sort of calculations rather than beginning from principles of justice. How should we live? Is this ordered? Is this virtuous? Is this just to live in abject servile fear of a little Wuhan cough? To lock down, take people's property, take people's lives away? No, of course not. Of course that's not just. But when you're making these really clinical scientific calculations of, well, if we lock down, we'll save this one life, then you end up in these ghastly sort of calculations, which you're seeing right now, actually, in the pages of the Washington Post. There is a very sad column that just came out from Uma Thurman, terrific actress, Uma Thurman, who is attacking the pro-life law in Texas. And she's saying it's a human rights crisis for American women. And to make her case, she's coming out with news that people did not know before, which is that she had an abortion. She said she started her acting career at 15 and she was accidentally impregnated by a much older man. She doesn't say she was raped exactly. She's accidentally impregnated. And uh, she was living out of a suitcase in Europe, far from her family, about to start a job. She struggled to know what to do. I wanted to keep the baby, but how? So she calls home. There's problems at home. The, the, The family decided, quote, I couldn't go through with the pregnancy and agreed that termination was the right choice. My heart was broken nonetheless. Okay. There's so much pain in this story, she writes. It's been my darkest secret until now. I'm 51 years old. I'm sharing it with you from the home where I've raised my three children who are my pride and joy. Uh, The abortion I had as a teenager was the hardest decision of my life, one that caused me anguish then and that saddens me even now. But it was the path to the, the life full of joy and love that I've experienced. Choosing not to keep that early pregnancy allowed me to grow up and become the mother I wanted and needed to be. So the obvious question that comes from this, why was it so sad? Why does it sadden you even now? Why did it break your heart? Because you killed your child. That's why. And a lot of women do it, and a lot of women don't know what they're doing at the time. And especially if you're 15 years old, you might be very confused, especially if your family is telling you to kill this child, especially if the whole culture is telling you to kill this child. But deep down, you know what it is, and you know that that gnaws at you, and that's deeply saddening. And especially in a world that doesn't recognize the possibility of redemption, this is going to eat away at you forever and ever. Of course, she didn't need to kill a baby. She could have given the baby up for adoption. There are many, many couples who want to adopt children, many more couples who want to adopt little babies than little babies who are put up for adoption. But then listen to this line. She goes, she says, uh, you know, the, the life full of joy and love that I've experienced was caused and it was enabled because I had this abortion. You heard this from another actress some years ago. I forget her name. She said, I won this gold statue because I had an abortion. I couldn't have done it if I hadn't had an abortion. Sacrificing your children to gold idols is nothing new. That is actually the default state of human nature. And Judaism, you know, the ancient Israelites and then Christianity in, in, in its fulfillment come about and say, don't do that. Stop doing that. Okay. We are now reverting to that. 
society is going to have some religion or another. Which one do you want to have? Do you want to have the religion that seems a little kooky with the smells and the bells and the crucifixes and the little liturgies? Or do you want to have the religion that is much kookier, where the high priests are people like Dr. Fauci and where the high sacraments are child sacrifice? Which, which you're going to have some religion. Which one do you want to live under? When you want to see things clearly and without eye strain, I would strongly recommend you check out Blue Blocks. If you're anything like me, you spend a lot of your life staring at a screen. And whether you notice it or not, that the blue light from that screen is causing damage to your eyes. It leads to digital eye strain. It can lead to headaches, blurred vision, watery eyes. I've noticed this since I was a kid. For some people, it could even cause heightened anxiety, depression, and low energy. Blue Blocks is here to fix it. They have high quality lenses for daytime, nighttime, and for color therapy, exactly in line with the suggested peer-reviewed academic literature. They got over 40 very cool-looking frames, come in prescription, non-prescription, and readers. They've got frames for every single need. Blue Blocks is also giving back by working in partnership with Restoring Vision in their Buy One, Gift One program. So for each pair of Blue Blocks glasses purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need. I do not look at a screen anymore if I'm getting blue light coming out. Seriously, it's, it's... a huge improvement. Go to blueblocks.com slash Knowles. Use promo code Knowles at checkout. Get 20% off and enjoy free shipping on orders over 115 bucks. Get your energy back. Sleep better. Block out the unhealthy effects of blue light. B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash Knowles. Click the link below. Make sure you use the code CanadaWLES to get 20% off your order. Enjoy free shipping on orders over 115 bucks. B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash Knowles for 20% off today. We are now at the anniversary of Uh, the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. Remember, the notorious RBG, she was the last hope, and then she died, and Trump was able to fill her vacancy, and this is very sad. She was an icon on the left. People wear t-shirts of her and make movies about her. They pretend that she was the first woman Supreme Court Justice, even though she wasn't. It was Sandra Day O'Connor who was appointed by Reagan, but everyone forgets about that. So in honor of RBG, People are posting a lot of quotes of hers today. But even though RBG only died one year ago, even though she was a leftist icon, she wasn't radical enough. So other leftist groups now are editing her quotes. This is from the ACLU. ACLU posts a tweet, says, with Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, we lost a champion for abortion and gender equality. And on the anniversary of her death, the fight to protect abortion access is more urgent than ever. Now, here's the quote. The decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a, then they insert these brackets, person's life to brackets, their well-being and dignity. When the government controls that decision for brackets, people, brackets, they are being treated as less than a fully adult human responsible for brackets, their own choices. Do you see what they did here? (laughs) It's not, they're not too subtle about it. What RBG originally said was the decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life, to her well-being and dignity. When the government controls that decision for women, uh, for women or a woman, this woman is being treated as less than a fully adult human responsible for her own choices. Now, of course, the quote is ghastly and hideous and untrue. Uh, Killing your own child is not central to your freedom and your life and your dignity uh, if, if you're a woman. But the, the left has become so radical that they're not even allowed to acknowledge that abortion is a woman's issue. Now, the, the, the aspect of this that I think people are missing here, 
as we all joke about how even RBG now is a conservative compared to the ACLU and the, these other leftist groups invoking her, is that the radicalism of the new gender pronouns and the transgender movement was actually being promoted by the feminists like Ruth Ginsburg. When Ruth Ginsburg says a woman needs to be able to kill her baby to be free, she is setting the stage for transgenderism because what she's saying is women and men need to be exactly the same. Women and men are not exactly the same because women uniquely can bear children. And because of that, that implies certain responsibilities and a a certain sort of role for them that men don't have. So we need to be able to remove that, that role, that distinction, even if it means killing your own child. And that way, men and women can be equal. But when men and women can be equal, then there's no such thing as women anymore. We're all just some kind of blob. And so the very words woman, she, hers are cut out of, of RBG's quotation. Speaking of disrespecting women, you probably haven't heard this story right now coming out of Wisconsin because the establishment media don't want to cover it. But you, you recall, in the last few weeks, we lifted a lot of Afghans out of that country as it fell to the Taliban. We left a lot of Americans there, but we took a lot of Afghans out. And these Afghans, these Afghans are more American than any American. They are as American as apple pie. They were all translators. That country, man, chock full of translators. And we ha- it was our duty to lift them out of the country. They're, frankly, they're a whole lot more American than the insurrectionists and the, and the MAGA Trump deplorable people. And so they land in Wisconsin and now they're raping children and uh, beating their wives. This from the Journal Sentinel, two Afghan refugees charged with child sex and spousal abuse crimes at Fort McCoy. Uh, Barula Nori, who's a 20 year old Afghan evacuee, is being charged with attempting to engage in a sexual act with a minor using force against that person, along with three other counts of engaging in a sex act with a minor, according to WQOW. And then 32-year-old Muhammad Harun Imad is being charged with assaulting his wife by choking and suffocating her on September 17th. This is at Fort McCoy. This is at the refugee camp. This is under the watchful gaze of our authorities. The first thing these guys did when they landed in America is rape kids and beat their wives and choke them. Now, I'm not saying that all Afghan refugees do this, but I am saying maybe we didn't vet these guys so well. Well, we know we didn't vet these guys so well because there's very little vetting going on here in the United States. They were told that all the vetting was done by the State Department before they left, but we know there was no vetting being done before they left either. People were clinging to to the wheels of these airplanes. Turns out cultural differences might actually persist. Turns out that different cultures, worshiping different gods, engaging in different rituals and mores might live differently. And that you can't, contrary to what the liberal liberal globalist establishment has been telling us for a very long time now, you can't just drop any person from anywhere in the world into the United States and have them instantly become an American. And when you you discourage assimilation, they, they may very well never become an American. Likewise, you cannot just drop the American Bill of Rights the Constitution or the Declaration into some godforsaken backwater and just assume that that's going to transform the country overnight. Contrary to what George Bush told us at the second inaugural, not every person on earth is yearning for 19th century English enlightenment ideals of self-government. It just doesn't, that it just isn't true. It doesn't exist. And it raises this other question, by the way. 
The same left that is insisting that we flood the country with foreign nationals is the left telling us that we are the worst country in the world. Evil, racist, bigoted, violent. In Maxine Waters' words, trying to bring the country back to slavery days, as she accused America of, of doing when border patrol agents were caught attempting to do their job. We're saying to the president and everybody else, you got to stop this madness. And I want to know in the first place, who's paying these cowboys to do this work? They've got to be gotten rid of. They've gotten to be stopped. It cannot go on. And so I thank all of you for being here today. Write the story. Tell the story about what is going on. And let people know that they're trying to take us back to slavery days and worse than that. Here we go. It's another day. It's another Democrat invoking slavery. I mean, I would attack Maxine Waters here. And she is a, a really loathsome member of Congress. I mean, she, she called for physical violence against Republicans and has done that repeatedly throughout her career. You get on them. When you see them in public, you get in their face. You push back on them. You say they're not welcome. You remember that, that whole thing? She's done it for many, many years. But Joe Biden says the same stuff about slavery. He said it about Mitt Romney, who's a big lib. He said, Mitt Romney wants to put y'all back in chains when he's talking to a mostly black audience. So uh, this is what they do. They say, look, America's defining feature is slavery, even though it existed here for less time than virtually anywhere else on the face of the earth. Yeah, and, and in a lower degree, by the way. No, that's America's defining feature. And it's never changed. And we're still living in the slavery days. We're about to go back. It's about to get even worse. So this, this raises this question. The uh, Gravel Institute, which is uh, named after uh, Senator Mike Gravel, he was a radical left senator, actually kind of got a kick out of him. So uh, some kids uh, in his name founded the Gravel Institute. They wanted it to be a kind of answer to PragerU on the right, and it hasn't really worked out, but they still tweet sometimes. And so they tweeted out, quote, the United States should accept at least 100,000 Afghan refugees. Are you insane? Do you, do, are you racist? Do you hate Afghans? You're telling me you want to take 100,000 poor Afghans who have been through so much already, and then you want to bring them to this evil, racist, bigoted, unjust hellscape? Oh my gosh, how much punishment do these people need to endure? This awful country? You want to bring them? No way. I, you know what, Gravel Institute? I can't believe it. I'm going to have to go more left-wing than you are right now. I am calling for a complete moratorium on any refugees from anywhere in the world coming here to this awful, racist, evil country. They have suffered enough, okay? And they do not deserve to be brought to suffer so much more in this evil, rotten, racist place. So I'm, uh, listen, Gravel Institute, listen, left-wingers calling for more refugees. I, I heard you. I heard you the first time when you said this is a terrible country. So I absolutely, I, w- I want to go to the logical conclusion of your arguments and say, no, thank you. No more. Did you, I mean, Maxine Waters said the other day, our border patrol was whipping people. I mean, they didn't have whips and they weren't, and they weren't whipping people and they were just riding horses with reins and they don't know what the reins are, but it looked bad. Look, what just the appearance of it doesn't look good. Keep, keep those foreign nationals out of here. When you want to make sure that you are supporting good old Americans who ride horses or good old American ranchers, I recommend you check out 
good ranchers. Did you know that 80% of the grass-fed beef that is sold in the U.S. is actually imported from overseas? Maybe it'll say local farm, but it'll be a local farm in Guatemala or something. It will not be. It's not actually from the U.S. So Good Ranchers has gone out and they have supported the American rancher, the American consumer, and the American economy by finding the top tier kind of meat. We're talking T-bones, fillets, strips, gourmet burgers, which I love. The burgers are absolutely magnificent. Better than organic chicken. They will give you that steakhouse quality you deserve at a price every family can afford. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles right now. Save 20 bucks or better yet, subscribe and save on each box of mouthwatering American meats that will show up right on schedule right to your door. Get 20 bucks off right now and free express shipping if you go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles or use code Knowles at checkout. 20 bucks off and free express shipping at goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Subscribe and start listening to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. We'll be right back with a lot more. The liberal blue checks are at it again. They always are. One of them, he's a Twitter activist named Brooklyn Dad Defiant. He is really harping on this complete canard, this lie that border patrol agents went out like Indiana Jones with whips and just started whipping, you know, Haitian migrants as they were coming across the border, which by the way, like they didn't do that, but I'm not saying use whips, but I do think you should enforce the law. If people are pouring into your country illegally, you should stop them from doing that. You should enforce the law. But they didn't. They didn't have whips and they were not doing that. So this Twitter blue check says, quote, slavery must continue to be taught in schools, but especially the parts about how slaves were beaten and whipped to death. So you can see us react strongly to similar scenes and you can S, but you can shut the F up with your quote, actually those aren't whips, they're reins. So this guy's acknowledging, he's like, they're, they're not whips. You're right. We lied about that, but don't, it doesn't matter. That might not be true, but it gets to a greater truth. That's the sort of thing the left always says when they get called out on their lies. They say, well, sure, that thing wasn't true, but it's about a greater truth. What's a greater? It's all a bunch of lies. And then you put all your lies together and you get a truth. I don't think, I'm no mathematician, but I don't think that's how arithmetic works. But what's so ironic here is he's saying, he's suggesting that we're not going to teach slavery in schools anymore. This has been another line of the left. They're saying that critical race theory just means teaching about the history of slavery. It's not even close to that. Critical race theory is a very specific Marxist academic movement that was developed in the late 20th century and has only really started infiltrating colleges in recent decades. The history of slavery has always been taught. But I love that a guy like this, who is admitting that his side does not know the difference between a whip and reins for your horses, he's saying we should be in charge of education. We don't, we don't know the difference between very basic tools, but we want to run education in America. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This is actually one of the few silver linings to the storm cloud of the year and a half plus of lockdowns is that kids are pouring out of public schools into charter schools and homeschools. A new report from the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools revealed that charter school enrollment grew 7.1% 
during the 2020 to 2021 school year. That's the largest expansion in half a decade. Nearly a quarter million new students enrolled in innovative, student-centered charter schools, despite a sharp increase in or a sharp decrease in overall public school enrollment during the same period. So the overall public school enrollment goes down, but the charter schools go way up. Of the 42 states evaluated, 39 experienced charter school enrollment increases. Only three states saw modest decreases. By comparison, direct, you know, sort of public school, district school enrollment during that same period dropped precipitously in every single state. In certain states, Oklahoma and Alabama, charter school enrollment grew 77.7% and 65.1% respectively. Even in lib states like Oregon, enrollment grew over 20%. On top of that, which is great news for the charter schools, on top of that, homeschooling between March 2020 and September 2020, homeschooling grew between 5.4% and 11% throughout the country. And in some other cases, by the way, we're not even counting here the private schools that parents send their kids to. This is very important. This is very important. It's going to accelerate a trend that you've been seeing for decades now around the country, which is the collapse of a common culture, the common culture of TV. We don't all watch the same TV shows anymore. The common culture of movies. We barely watch the movies anymore. The common culture of schooling. We're not going to have that quite as much anymore. That would be a bad thing if we had a healthy culture. That's a very good thing if we have a very unhealthy culture. If the common culture becomes poisoned and tells us that our country's evil and you're evil and if you're white, you're irredeemably evil and you know the founding fathers are evil. If, if, the, if the common culture that educates and raises us and creates our citizens is, is poisoning our people, then you got to crack that common culture. And that is very good news. Speaking of those old days of a common culture, speaking of common TV shows, did you watch The Wonder Years growing up? I did. I watched it in reruns, but I, I watched it. Great old show about growing up in the 60s and suburbia. Kevin and Winnie, you remember that? So The Wonder Years is getting a reboot. Just like every other show and just like every other movie, they're, they're getting a reboot. And now... The family is black. That's the, that's the big twist. Not only is it a reboot, but you see it's a re and the family is black. This is evidence of a dead culture, not because black people shouldn't be on TV shows, but because of the reboot of it with the kind of political twist. That's the evidence of the dead culture. The reboot is the main thing though. Ghostbusters, there's Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a great movie. And there's more Ghostbusters movies, and they're not as good, but they're fine. And then they're going to reboot Ghostbusters. Oh, okay, well, all right, can't you think of any new ideas? No? Okay, so you're going to reboot it. You're going to just do it again. Uh, but this time, it's with women. Oh, okay, well, that's not... All right, why? Uh, yeah, it's with... you're not just going to make a new movie with women. You're going to make... reboot Ghostbusters. You're going to redo Ghostbusters with women. Yeah, that's what we're going to do, because we have no ideas... But we're also really political and really into identity politics. Okay. And so we're going to reboot the Wonder Years, but the family's black. But hold on. I thought, you, I thought the whole point was that the experiences of white people and black people in America are radically different. Isn't that what the left has been telling me for years? And especially, oh my goodness, especially in the 1960s, I thought the experiences were totally different, totally incomparable. Well, 
well, okay, maybe, maybe what they're going to do here is make the entire experience of the show totally different from what it was for the white people in the Wonder Years. Okay, well, then why are you calling it the Wonder Years? What, then it's not a reboot. Then it's, are we just so out of ideas? Are we so both out of ideas and ginned up on identity politics that this is our culture now? Well, then it's not a culture. It's just a, it's just digging up the old corpses of the past and trying to reanimate them like zombies. They don't only do this on the left. We do this on the right too. When, when people constantly just quote Ronald Reagan, that, that would be an example of this. Ronald Reagan was last president in January of 1989. He's been dead for a good many years now. He's been out of public life since the early 90s. Let him lie. He's a good guy. I, like, I have a great admiration for Ronald Reagan. Now we have to do our things. We need to enact our political vision. We need to pass our laws. We need to make our TV shows. We need to make our movies, but we can't. We don't, we seem to just be kind of dead and decadent as a culture. Speaking of things that are dead, I got to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Is he dead? I don't know. Actually, I suppose that's more of an open question. (laughs) He didn't kill himself. Did he die at all? I don't know. Jeffrey Epstein was friends with very wealthy, very famous, very influential people. One of whom is Bill Gates. And Bill Gates has never really answered for his close association with Jeffrey Epstein. So Bill Gates was on PBS NewsHour. He was asked about Jeffrey Epstein and he got extremely nervous and he sort of started sort of fidgeting and dancing around the question and repeating himself, probably lines that were written up by some crisis communications expert. And then he gave probably the spookiest answer you probably could about his, his thoughts on Jeffrey Epstein with hindsight. Those meetings were were a mistake. They didn't result in uh, what he purported, and I cut them off. You know that goes back a long time ago now. Uh, there's you know so there's nothing new on that. It was reported that you continued to meet with him over several years, um, and that in other words, a number of meetings. Um, what did you do when you found out about his background? Well. And, you know, I've said I regretted having those dinners. Uh, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing new on that. Is there a lesson for you, for anyone else looking looking at this? Well, he's dead. So, uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done in philanthropy, very proud of the work of the foundation. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I get up every day and focus on. So I know we've all been joking about how Hillary killed Jeffrey Epstein, but, uh, I'm beginning to rethink that. Uh, do you have, um, excuse me, Mr. Gates, Mr. One of the richest guys in the world and most influential guys for many decades. Uh, do you have any lessons that you have learned or that you think other people should learn from, uh, the Jeffrey Epstein experience? Well, uh, <laughs> he's dead. So, uh, wonder if you got that lesson, everybody, <laughs> when you implicate old Billy in a crime, <laughs> well, things don't turn out very well. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that Bill Gates killed Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not saying it. Bill, I'm not. Please, please, man. I got a family. Please don't. But that is, that is the level of hubris from our ruling class. I'm, I'm really not saying that, that Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein was murdered viciously by Bill Gates in a prison cell in New York. I'm not saying that. What I am pointing out is 
Bill Gates did not learn a thing. He's making excuses. He's downplaying the relationship, which was fairly extensive. He's trying to deflect. He's uttering the same old lines that some crisis PR guy told him. And and then the, the nearest thing he has to a lesson that he's learned is that, well, he's dead. Problem's gone. No, no hugging, no learning. It's like the old Seinfeld maxim. No hugging, no learning. We didn't learn a thing. I'm going to keep doing whatever I want, not changing my mind. But maybe, maybe the people I associate with aren't so savory. Maybe some of the initiatives I'm involved in are a little creepy. Maybe, uh, maybe I should have uh, some humility and not try to rule the entire world. Bill Gates, this is a man who has dedicated his philanthropic career to uh, making sure there are fewer black people being born in Africa, is to overpopulation, and to, uh, I guess, becoming the, the chief medical expert in the world on coronavirus, Bill Gates, who has the exact same epidemiology degree that I do, namely none. Bill Gates, a man of incredible hubris and a really hideous political vision. You really see it with the overpopulation stuff, this idea that there need to be fewer people and especially fewer black people and especially fewer poor black people in Africa. Ugh, there's just so many of them. They might breathe too much and, and anger the sun monster and then he'll send his evil, his, his punishment of global warming upon us and then we won't be able to have as nice a time on our yacht because it'll be a little too hot on the, on the sun deck. You know, we can't, we can't be having that. More abortion for Africa. He, he doesn't see it that way. He doesn't recognize, I don't think, that all of these ideas, all of these political regimes have a religious foundation. So he doesn't, he doesn't recognize the significance of his obsession, notably with overpopulation. And, and if, if uh, that statement is to be believed, he, the only overpopulation he's really focused on is the uh, overpopulation of Jeffrey Epstein still existing. You know, <laughs> well, he's dead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding please. I'm kidding. Speaking of very wealthy people, Hunter Biden is about to become even wealthier than he already is. You know, there was that, that video that he himself recorded that was found on one of the many laptops of his that he let get stolen, uh, where he said that he makes like a gazillion dollars, you know, and he makes all this money by selling his father's influence and selling out the United States to Ukrainian oligarchs and Chinese oligarchs. So Hunter Biden uh, is now an artist. He's not a very good artist, but he's an artist. I say this, I'm a, a fairly untalented amateur painter myself. I took it up during COVID and I am freaking Caravaggio compared to Hunter Biden. I'm really not good. You know, I'm just like copying things on YouTube, but I am Titian. I am Michelangelo compared to Joe Biden's derelict son. So Hunter Biden's gallerist, Georges Berger, uh, he has just said that Hunter's paintings could sell for half a million bucks, which would put Hunter Biden, a person with no artistic training or talent, in the very top tier of emerging artists, according to Artnet. The, the thing that sticks out to me here and what, what relates to the Bill Gates story is not even just the hubris. It's, or it's not, not even just the money. It's, it's, it's this, this idea that they can do whatever they want. Okay, this idea that there is no consequence. Yeah, I'm going to peddle my dad's influence. I'm going to make millions of dollars doing it. Come and get me. Yeah, I'm going to pal around with Jeffrey Epstein. I'm never going to answer for it. Yeah, come and get me. No, but what are you going to do to me? Yeah, we can be wrong about everything. What are you going to do? What are you, you're going to do nothing. Because no matter how transparently corrupt we are, we got the power and you don't. Speaking of the corruption of our governments, you remember, we were told, 
the coronavirus is 100% naturally occurring. It has nothing to do with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is right where it was discovered. And it has nothing to do with gain of function research. And it didn't leak from a lab. And how dare you conspiracy theorists suggest that this isn't perfectly normal and occurring in bats. Then we found out, no, it actually, not probably, it probably did escape from that lab in some way. And no, it actually was involved in gain-of-function research. And actually, the United States was involved in gain-of-function research. And actually, everything that Dr. Fauci and all the rest of them told us was a lie. So now we're finding out, new bombshell report from the Telegraph. Scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, including British zoologist Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance, were reportedly planning to release, quote, enhanced airborne coronaviruses into Chinese bat populations to inoculate them in the months before the COVID pandemic. The scientists also sought funding from the United States to create chimeric viruses, which are, quote, genetically enhanced to infect humans more easily. Uh, These were revealed in leaked grant proposals dating back to 2018, which a former U.S. official has confirmed as being authentic, according to The Telegraph. They did it. They lied about it. They were more involved in it than even many people speculated they were. And now they're not going to face any repercussions whatsoever. When Dr. Fauci was asked about the gain of function research and our involvement with the Wuhan Institute, he perjured himself. Senator Rand Paul is now trying to bring him up to some consequences on that. Won't matter. It will not happen. They have the power and we do not. The uh, Republican governors right now, they want to at least seem like they're doing something on immigration. You know, this historic flood of foreign nationals pouring across our border. So what are they doing? They wrote a strongly worded letter to Joe Biden. I'm not joking. Here we go. All but one GOP governor in the United States signed a joint letter to Joe Biden demanding a crackdown on the flood of illegal immigration coming across the southern border. Great. Great. I'm glad. The one GOP governor is the one in Vermont. He's not, he's obviously not going to sign it. They're, they're big hippies over there. So that's it. The best we've got is, dear Joe Biden, please stop. Uncle, uncle. That's, what, that's basically the libs and the, the establishment has our hand twisted up behind our backs. They're pulling it up toward our neck. And the best that we can do to stop them is yell uncle. Please stop. Please stop. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop unless we amass political power and then actually wield it, which very few people seem to want to do. Now, on the topic of wielding political power, you may have heard of the story of Gabby Petito, who was a YouTuber and uh, it, she was murdered. And it appears that she was murdered by her boyfriend. It's not totally clear, but it kind of seems that way. So this is a, a you know, a scintillating story. It's a very sad story. And it's got all these elements of kind of true crime and and personal interest. But as a political matter, it doesn't, doesn't matter that much for the national political scene. Well, everyone's obsessed with this story. Governor Ron DeSantis has just ordered state agencies to look for this guy, the boyfriend who's on the lam, who definitely looks like he killed his girlfriend. The, the only political aspect of this now is libs politicizing the focus on the story. So uh, you've got uh, BuzzFeed, which is coming out and saying, here is everything we know about Lauren Cho and Daniel Robinson, two missing person cases brought to light by the disappearance of Gabby Petito. And uh, 
Lauren Cho and Daniel Robinson are people of color. And you see what, what the Gabby Petito story tells you is that we don't put enough focus. The media does not focus enough on people of color. They only focus on cute little white girls. They've been, so we don't know enough about Lauren Cho and Daniel Robinson. There are many, many other people obviously who have gone missing. And this is absolutely awful because America is so racist. Why won't the media do this? Joy Reid, who is the sort of left-wing Tucker Carlson, uh, without the charm or intellect <laughs> or uh, rigor. Uh, she's on MSNBC, or ratings for that matter. Uh, uh, Joy Reid goes on MSNBC and castigates the media for focusing on this white woman who was viciously murdered and not talking about people of color. The way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well, the answer actually has a name, missing white woman syndrome the term coined by the late and great Gwen Ifill to describe the media and public fascination with missing white women like Lacey Peterson or Natalie Holloway, while ignoring cases involving missing people of color. Yeah, it's awful that the media, they, the media are focusing on these white people, you know, and they're not in white women specifically. And the media, I mean, I hate that media. The media, they're, they're not focusing on black people. I hate that conservative media, that conservative right-wing Trump supporting. Oh, wait a minute. The libs control the whole media. Joy, you're the media. BuzzFeed, you're the media. You're the media. You are the whole media. I know. I have a show. It's very nice. I appreciate the many people who listen to this show. I know Ben and Dan Bongino and Tucker Carlson, they, they have shows too. And they reach, you know, especially Tucker. Gosh, Tucker reaches a few million people a night. That's it. The country's 330 million people. The biggest show on the right reaches, what, three, maybe four million people at the, at the height? The libs control the whole thing, the whole media. Joy Reid could talk about it. She doesn't need to. Joy Reid doesn't need to talk about Gabby Petito, but she's choosing to. BuzzFeed doesn't need to. And now they complain. And this is what they do. They rule with incompetence, mendacity. They rule in this really vicious way. And then when everything goes wrong, who do they blame? Do they take the blame themselves? No, they blame you. They blame you or they just move on or both. That's what they do. That's our regime. That's the people who are shooting rubber bullets at Australian citizens. That's the people calling you deplorable and irredeemable and Bible thumping, bitter clinging rubes. That's the regime. The, the cause of, they create the crisis, they create the problem, they blame you for the problem, then they grab more power to solve the problem, they don't solve it, they make it worse, rinse and repeat. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show, see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021.
Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, the Biden administration slams Border Patrol even as the border remains wide open. Democrats seek to blow out the spending and regulate business into the ground. And COVID hysteria continues. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. 